Uh, hi, this is Jerome Gilmartin. Welcome to another program in the In the Father's Hands series with host Mary-Kate Grady. And Mary-Kate's guest today for this program is Jeff Schott. And Jeff was an evangelical Baptist who became an atheist and who is now a Catholic. Can't wait to hear your story, Jeff. <laughs> Mary-Kate? Thank you so much there, Jerry, and thank you all. Um, we're so pleased to have you join us again for our program in the Father's Hands. And as always, we remember um, that Jesus assures us in the Gospel of St. John, chapter 10. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And, you know, while life is filled with such uncertainty, one timeless truth that we can always hold on to is that our life is in the Father's hands. He's always with us, watching us, and guiding us. And um, as Jerry mentioned, our guest today is Jeff Schott, and he's here to share with us how his life has been in the Father's hands. And welcome, Jeff. Thank you for coming on the program. Thank you. It's my pleasure, Mary Kate. So, Jeff, um, I always like to start with asking our guests if they would share with us um, what their favorite um, Bible verse is and why it's their favorite. If you could share that with us today. Sure thing. Uh, currently, my favorite Bible verse is Romans 8.28 which is, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And the reason I like it is because of the words, all things. You know, that means everything, no matter how bad it seems at the time, no matter what happens to you or even what you do, even your own sins, you know, God can use anything to work for the good of, of those He loves and who love Him. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. That's a That's a... That's one of the one of those best verses. I, I hear that verse a lot at different times, and it's so powerful. I think it speaks to a, a lot of people, you know. Um, Jeff, if you wouldn't mind, uh, just give us maybe just a little bit of information about yourself today. Sure. Um, currently live in Cape Coral, Florida. I'm 26 years old. I've been married for three years to my beautiful wife, Brittany, and we have a 14-month-old daughter, uh, Hannah, and other than that, um, pretty much said everything at the beginning. I'm a convert to Catholicism, and that's pretty much my whole life right now. Mm. And you know, it just I, you know, I think when when Jerry made the mention that you were a, you know, evangelical, I believe it's Baptist. Is that correct? Yes, that's. It was basically Baptist, non-denominational, but it's kind of the same thing in many in many respects. Okay. Um, so, like, just in that sentence of him saying that you were a evangelical Baptist, then you're an atheist, and then you're a Catholic, like, all I have to hear is that one sentence to know that your life is in the Father's hands, because that's quite a little journey there. Yeah, I've been uh, definitely been in the Father's hands, even when I was trying to run as far away from them as I possibly could. So. Yeah, and isn't that how it always is? <laughs> we're all, we're yeah. always... You know, you said all things work together <clears throat> for the good of those who love God. And and so, you know, you being in these three different stages in your life, you know, God's used all these things to work together for the good. Um, you know, Jeff, if you would, 
wouldn't mind sharing with us a little bit um, how you've seen God's hand in your life, guiding your life. You know, maybe um, share a story with us or a couple stories or, or just share, you know, open your heart and share with us how you've seen God's hand in your life. Yeah, so my basic story is that I was raised homeschooled, and we were uh, very active in the church. Like I said, Baptist Church, we were part of a homeschool co-op group. So myself and my siblings and my mom and dad would meet at the church, other homeschools and families, multiple times a week outside of Sunday. So pretty much my whole life for my early childhood was church-based activities. We would memorize Bible verses, hang out with other kids. You know, we would read the Bible stories and everything, and it, it was, I look back on that really fondly, and I ended up uh, being baptized at that church on Christmas Eve when I was six years old. Okay. And then I kind of was just on fire for Christ during that time of my life, and I was constantly talking to people about it, even though pretty much everybody I knew at the time was also Christian, because it was kind of an insulated um, scenario. But then when I was entering into middle school, we went into the public school system. Uh, okay. So, yeah, we moved to Tennessee, which is also pretty much, you know, Baptist, predominantly evangelical Christians. And when I joined the school system, I ended up meeting probably the three atheist peers that I had. Uh, there probably weren't very many others. I don't really remember meeting anyone else who questioned Christianity, or at least not openly, and mm-hmm. so they kind of, like, were the ones that I targeted, because I was just raised in this very evangelical uh, mindset, so I started trying to convert them to Christianity, basically, and they started making me question things, predominantly because the way that I was raised was a very fundamentalist understanding of Christianity, of, like, Protestant Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, we were taught that you know, the Earth is only 6,000 years old, and this type of stuff that is very contrary to modern scientific understanding. So it wasn't really my theological beliefs that my friends questioned and made me doubt. It was more the evidence that they showed me about modern science. And then at the time, I had no category for Christianity outside of that. So once mm-hmm. that understanding of the origins of the Earth and the universe and everything started to fall apart for me, uh, I just kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater, basically, and just mm. decided that I had been deluded and that there was that I kind of had the wool pulling over me until that point, and it started me off on a kind of rebellious streak, thinking that I had basically feeling hurt that I had been deceived so rigorously throughout my whole life. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I'm... I'm thinking there's probably a number of people that have had that same experience as yourself, you know, believing that they've been deceived or that they weren't told the whole story or, you know, um, it might, it might also go along with that stage of life of just questioning also, you know? Yes, it was definitely a a stage in life thing. And I think it's, it's like you said, there's a lot of people who feel like they've been deceived, which is why one of the things that I've told people as I've, kind of shared my story is that it's important before you start asking whether or not Christianity is true to figure out what true Christianity is. Because if you're basing your 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 quest for truth on a, a misunderstanding of Christianity, then it can go downhill really quickly. And besides 
that, there was also the fact that this was also the time that my parents got divorced. So, okay. and w- when they got divorced, my parents stopped taking us to church anymore because they, the, even the church that we went to at the time was trying to guide them away from divorce and to, trying to encourage them to stay together. So they just decided that once they got divorced, they didn't want to keep going to that church or really to any other one, and they just wanted to avoid that whole um, question, I guess. And so at the time that I was um, being uh, driven toward atheism, I didn't really have that community that I had had growing up to help me see another way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. So where did you go from there? Well, from there, I pretty quickly started living what I would describe as a sex, drugs, and rock and roll uh, type lifestyle. Uh, I figured that everything that I had been told was a lie, and that included what I now perceive as all these restrictive uh, moral ideas. So, you know, my friends introduced me to drugs, and we started doing drugs together, selling drugs together. You know, you might understand basically the way we've lived to know that the joke that we made to each other was that in our small town there was nothing to do but drugs and each other. So that was kind of our our lifestyle, and yeah. that only made it even... It, it, it emboldened my rebellion against Christianity even more, because now it wasn't just that I felt I had been lied to, but I knew that the way that I was living was totally contrary to how I had been raised. So that kind of motivated me even more to be... Um, openly atheistic so I could kind of justify to myself and everybody else that the way that I was living was okay. And that kind of came to a climax when I was in high school, which uh, I had become an atheist basically toward the end of middle school. And when I was in uh, uh, high school, we had what was called Spirit Week before our prom every year. And Spirit Week was basically where they would have different days of the week where you could celebrate different things and one of the days was called fictional character day and you basically just got to dress up as whatever fictional character you wanted uh you know if it was a superhero or a cartoon character or whatever Mm -hmm. but i went that day dressed like jesus christ and it caused pretty big scene uh everybody noticed pretty quickly that that's what i was doing sure and it's, like I said, this is small-town Tennessee, so there's not a lot of people who would have agreed with that as a concept. And basically, I was marched over to the administration, uh, the principal and the assistant principal and the school resource officer, basically told me that I was going to have to take off my costume, and I tried to argue with them for a little bit about it, and eventually they just made it obvious that they weren't really interested in arguing about whether or not I should keep it on, that that's just what was going to happen. Right. So I took off the costume. It was basically just a bed sheet, like a couple bed sheets, and I had a, a paper halo that I had folded up, and okay. I drew holes in my hands with Sharpie marker and stuff like that. And so I had to wash that off, and everything went into the trash can, essentially. And it was the talk of the school for the rest of the day, and then when I went home, I decided that I was going to email this group of atheist lawyers called the Freedom From Religion Foundation and tell them that I felt that my, you know, rights of free speech and, and of religion, my, no, or non-religion more accurately, had sure. been violated by the school. 
and then they proceeded to promptly send a very uh, hot, hotly worded letter to my principal and to the superintendent of my school district, basically saying that they were going to sue the pants off of them. And then mm-hmm. once that happened, then the Channel 4 News found out about it, and they came to my house and interviewed me, and then people online started talking about it. It was one of the top posts on the website Reddit. And if you, what, if you Google What year my, would that have been, Jeff? Probably 2011, 2012, around okay. there, or okay. maybe a little earlier. Yeah, it was, it was at least 10 years ago. Okay, sure. And then uh, that kind of started uh, my 15 minutes of fame and inter- got me, that was became my reputation was I was the atheist kid who, you know, got all over the news and had our school threatened to be sued and everything. Right, right. Wow. So how? So where did you go from there? That you were dressed up as Jesus, as being a fictional character character in your high school, to becoming a Catholic. Well, basically, what happened was that was both like the peak of my like fame as an atheist, and then also kind of like the peak of my resolve as an atheist. Because the more that I started thinking about it, the more I realized that I was basically still living my life revolving around Christianity. It just Instead of the acceptance of Christianity, I was revolving my life around the rejection of Christianity. And I just didn't want to do that. I wanted to believe what I wanted to believe and have my own system of ideas and spirituality. That tied with the fact that I was still very active in this degenerate lifestyle of sex, drugs, and rock and roll, like I said. So it was basically just this desire for something more than just rejecting something else. That was what you know motivated me to start looking into stuff. And then around the time I started getting that yearning for something more substantial is when my mom ended up getting evicted from where we lived, and I ended up dropping out of high school, and then we had to move back to Florida so that we could try to figure out how we were going to survive because my mom was now, you know, random, not randomly, but suddenly evicted and had four uh, children and no husband. And wow. she didn't really know what to do. So we ended up basically homeless for three months or more where we all five of us lived together in a one room motel. Wow. And, and then after that, the only place we ended up being able to find to live in was more like a shack than, than a house. I mean, there was a couple times when we had bad storms and the, just the right. trees falling around us almost took the whole place down. It, was, it wasn't exactly the best. It was what we could afford. Sure. And so when things got that bad in my life, I was basically at this point a, a, a drug addict or dependent on drug use psychologically plus unemployed plus high school dropout and I had no friends because they were all back in Tennessee and everything and I just became extremely depressed and I remember telling my younger brother the one closest to me in age that I essentially had resolved that if things didn't improve over the course of the next year substantially that I was I was just going to kill myself because there's no God anyway and there's, if there's no God and there's no meaning 
beyond just having a good life. If you're not having a good life and there's no real prospects or hope that it's going to get better, might as well just end it. Right. And then that was when I started having this nagging feeling um, that maybe I was wrong about Christianity. And I wasn't really sure where it was coming from. And I was pretty sure that I wasn't wrong about Christianity. If there was anything that I would have said I knew for sure, it was that I wasn't wrong about Christianity. But the feeling just wouldn't go away. And so essentially what I decided to do was to challenge God one last time to prove to me that he existed before I killed myself. Mm-hmm. And so I went into my room, and I had a Bible. I, I had always studied the Bible, even throughout being an atheist, because I thought it was a way to argue other people out of their faith, just to know what it said, so I could try to use it against them. You know, maybe I might find a verse right. that they didn't really know was there, and then it would be a hard verse to explain, and then boom, that's my opening. Well, right, I took my right. Bible, and I stood in the corner of my room, and I said, you know, God, I'm pretty sure that you don't exist, and I'm not even sure why I'm doing this right now, but... I kind of just want to get rid of this feeling that I have. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you an opportunity to show me that you exist. And if you do, then that, then we'll go from there. But if you don't, then I guess it won't matter that I made this prayer anyway. And then I'll just do what I was already planning on doing. And that'll be the end of it. Right. And I basically, I, I prayed that same prayer every day and I started reading the new Testament. And what happened was, every day when I would read the New Testament, right as soon as the Bible hit the desk and I put it back down, something would happen that was directly related to one of the last verses I had read. And this went on for about three or four months. And That's amazing. So yeah, it, it was definitely hard to ignore at the time. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I can't really tell all of the stories, obviously, but one of the ones that I do tell that is the most memorable is it was the 4th of July, and I was reading Matthew, and it said, um, Do not cast what is holy before the dogs, do not give your pearls to swine. And then as soon as I put the Bible down, there was a knock on our front door, and it was my next-door neighbor inviting me to his family's 4th of July cookout. Okay. And then the first thing that anybody said to me when I crossed from my front yard to their front yard, was his dad turned and looked at me and said, Jeff, I hope you're ready to eat this, or I'll cast it to the dogs. Oh, my and goodness. Just, just basically verbatim quoted the, the last verse that I had read, despite the fact that I had told nobody that I was doing this, that I had made this challenge, or that I had started reading the Bible every day. And right. so that was one of the most memorable occasions of that. There was, it, was, it happened over the course of months, over and over again, and so then I basically made another prayer that went something like this. So it seems like you're real. Uh, still not really sure how or why that can be true. Intellectually, it just didn't make sense to me still. And I said, but I can't ignore what's been going on, so I want to give Christianity another chance, basically, is the way I put it. Okay. And I, I asked God if he would accept me back, despite everything that I had done. And then immediately I felt this tremendous weight lifted from my shoulder. Like, it wasn't even, like, metaphorically I felt a weight lifted from my shoulder. Right. I, like, I had the physical sensation of weight being lifted off of my like, body. Like, there could be no doubt in your mind about it, right? Yeah, it was, it was pretty intense. Like, it wasn't just, like, a sigh of relief. It was, like, I literally felt my body 
get lighter and things like being removed from me. It was pretty crazy. And so that, and despite all that, I still wasn't really sure what was going on. You know, I've been doing drugs for years. I was like, maybe, you know, you know, things feel weird sometimes. Who knows what was going on? I still was doubting. And I, I went to bed directly after that. And then I had a very intense and meaningful dream which was weird because I hadn't had any dreams for years because of all the drug use. It had kind of muddled up my brain chemistry so that I just didn't dream at all ever, let alone mm-hmm. remember everything about the dream mm-hmm. when I woke up. Yeah. But when I woke up, I remember the entire dream, and the symbolism of it would take a little bit to get into the, the backstory, but the, it was extremely clear to me that what the dream meant was that I should be converting to Christianity and that God would continue to guide me after that and that he was protecting me from my my desire essentially to go back to my old way of living and wow. so once and i had that go ahead yeah no and i, and I was you know, that's like that story's amazing jeff wow it, it, it's like god just guided you one step after the other you know it, it's you you kind of threw a challenge his way and he was able to uh to keep the pace with you he was always one step ahead of me, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Two or three. And then, so the long story short after that is I kind of had to figure out what I was going to do now that I was a Christian. And once I started telling people that I was a Christian, they started asking me all sorts of questions that I didn't know the answer to because I hadn't converted to Christianity for intellectual reasons. And once I started looking into things, basically all the answers I ended up having to give people and that made the most sense were the ones that were leading me into the Catholic Church, and so that's where I decided I would go. And is and I think that you had mentioned when I had read what you had sent to me was kind of the idea that um, you know the the Catholic Church doesn't have to shine its light out as being God's true church by comparing itself to other Christian denominations. Yeah, and that resonated with me because the whole thing that started to lead me to back to Christianity was not wanting my life to be a rejection of something else. That's that's how I felt that my atheism had originated. I was just rejecting the belief system I was raised with. And then when I started reading the history of Christianity, it seemed like every other denomination or group or movement that I read about, their whole story started with, and then this is why they weren't Catholics. And I was like, well, okay, but... That doesn't tell me why what they say is true. It's just telling me why you're rejecting this other thing. And that whole idea just, it always struck me as off because that was exactly what I knew my atheism was based off of. And I didn't want to have a not that belief. I wanted to have a belief that was true. And when I started looking into what Catholics were saying, no Catholic was ever saying, and this is why I'm not Protestant or this is why I'm not Eastern Orthodox. They were just saying, and this is what Christians have always believed, and this is the evidence for it. And there was no definition against something else. It was always just presenting itself as the truth, and that that resonated with me. Yeah, and I'm so glad that you had shared that with me, because it really made me think about that, like, wow, you know, if if you have the truth, you don't need to, like, compare yourself. You just need to delve more deeply into knowing more and more about the truth. You know, you don't have to compare yourself to other people that are trying to figure out the truth or maybe presenting something as the truth. When you when you already have it there, there's no comparison necessary, you know. So that's beautiful. I think that was, that's part of what led me to Catholicism as well, is because once I realized that, it gave me hope that it would be 
consistently beneficial in the future, if that makes sense. I wouldn't have to continue always questioning anything. I could just dig deeper and deeper and deeper into my faith, like you said, not always questioning if I was, you know, better than this other group or if this other group was actually right. It was just now that I know this is where I'm supposed to be, and there's 2,000 years of history and all this great uh, liturgy and, and so many great intellectual figures in the church, there's just an endless well of sustenance for the whole rest of your life. And so I, I knew when I committed to something, I didn't want to change again. And I, right. and I saw I saw this endless source of sustenance in, in Catholicism that was hard to ignore. Right, yeah. That's so, that's so wonderful. Thank you so much, Jeff, for sharing that story. It's so encouraging, you know, even to people that have been Catholic their whole life, to give us a little um, kind of like boost in our faith and to remember why we're Catholic, how blessed we are to have had that our whole life, but to remember why we are too, you know. Um, and if, if you don't mind me asking, our time, time seems to go so quickly when you're, when you're talking about God and talking about um, good things, you know, as we've been talking about today. But just before we wrap up here, um, I guess I just wanted to ask you if there's any specific, like, maybe um, book or resource that you've enjoyed reading that's really helped you to grow in your Catholic faith? One thing that I will say has been consistently beneficial is the Liturgy of the Hours. And so if you, I would encourage anybody who was able to to get into that practice. It's, you know, it's all scriptural, it's the Psalms, it's the whole, and it's always there, and it always helps you no matter where you're at. And even if you just start with one of the you know, evening prayer or something every day, I think that would be would be great. That's what's been helping me. Okay. And I can attest to that too, Jeff, because I, when I'm able to, um, you know, and sometimes, as you said, like I might not be able to do all the times of day that it's set aside for that, but, uh, you know, oftentimes, like if I'm not working, I'm able to do evening prayer or morning prayer, and um, it's so helpful. You know, it kind of keeps you in a rhythm. It keeps you focused. You're getting to go through all the psalms over and over again, they start to become in your heart. You start to remember them. They come to your mind throughout the day. I don't know if that happens to you. That happens to me. Um, it definitely it, does, and it also yeah. helps your spontaneous prayer, because once you have this ritual prayer that is constant, then th those words are in your mind, so then when you're spontaneously praying, it's almost like you're quoting God back to himself and saying, you know, I couldn't come up with anything better than this, So, and then you just... It helps with all of your life, really. It gives you a yeah. nice rock. Yes, no, definitely. I totally agree with that. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on today. I, Like I said, it, it time goes so quickly. I wish we had more time. But thank you so much for being with us, and um, God bless you and your family and your continual pursuit of of the truth. And we're so glad to have you in the Catholic Church to to worship God together with all of us until we make it to heaven someday. So thank you, Jeff. Amen. Thank you. It was, uh, it was great to be on. All right, Jeff. Well, God bless you. Um, take care, and uh, we'll be in touch with you. You as well. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll um, see you again next time. God bless you all.